thinking is how pleased the Lord must be as he watches us today. Because he said, unless you become like a child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. And he loves the praises of children. And so the Lord was pleased with that as well. One of the special moments on Palm Sunday is for me. I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you or not, but I've been to Israel nine times, and nine times I have walked down that steep pathway on the supposed route of the Palm Sunday parade of Jesus. Now, we don't know if that was exactly the route, but I know this, this being the Masters uh, uh, golf tournament, that they're within a chip shot, that, that uh, pathway of where Jesus really did walk. And so I know I was very close to that. My heart is moved. Every time I'm there and every time Palm Sunday comes, my mind is flooded with walking down that pathway down Mount of Olives and then across over into Jerusalem streets. And so we want you to hear what's called the triumphal entry. Uh, Elder Chair Mark Ledger is going to come again. I figured this is buy one, get one free. We had the prayer. Now he comes up also to read the scriptures, the second thing to do today. And so, Mark, would you lead us in the reading of God's word on this wonderful account on Palm Sunday? Uh, If we could all stand for the reading, we're going to be reading Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. When Jesus drew near to Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the, the disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet set. Untie it. And bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away, found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus. And throwing their cloak on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, a whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. For most of us, it's a very familiar story, and I could approach this story. There's so much in it. But I want to capture the big idea that runs all the way through this account of Jesus. And here it is. The presence of Jesus demands our praise. The presence of Jesus demands our praise. And the story is going to go this way. If we're around Jesus and we don't praise him, something else in creation will. We have been created to come together and worship him. And with that in mind, I want to share with you four exhortations that come directly from this text. And you might be thinking, an exhortation? Isn't that kind of a negative thing on Palm Sunday, an exhortation? Let me give you the definition of exhortation. It means 
a word of warning, or encouragement designed to motivate someone to proper action. You'll be happy to know I'm going to take the word of warning off the table today. You came here free of your own will and wanting to be here today. I'm not going to scold or guilt you into praising the Lord. I want to encourage you to do that. I want you to take my advice on these four exhortations of encouragement. So, are you ready to be exhorted today? Are you? Doesn't sound too convincing. <laughs> okay, we're going to move on now then to exhortation number one. Hang around people who praise Jesus. Life is too short to hang around people who don't. And so hang around people who praise Jesus. Verse 37 launches the first exhortation. It says, and he was drawing, as he was drawing near, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. Folks, there were thousands of people in Jerusalem. They came every year for the Passover. Many from Judea, where Jerusalem is. Many from the Galilee, which is northern reaches of Israel. And they would come by the thousands. And the burning question was, would Jesus <clears throat> come to the Passover? Now, at that very time, Jesus was in Bethany, a mile or so across the Mount of Olives. And Jesus had, the gospel said, <clears throat> set his face to go to Jerusalem for the last number of weeks. And that meant he had made up his mind that he would go there and be crucified <clears throat> Excuse me, on this trip. And so in Bethany, on Palm Sunday, he said, it is time. And they got the donkey. And Jesus and his 12 disciples made their way. And all the thousands of people who wondered, would Christ come to the Passover? The word got out. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. <clears throat> And they started to line the pathway of the Mount of Olives pathway and into the city. Electricity went through the crowd and they began to come to the procession. I had an experience very much like that in the electricity of the crowd going through a, 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 uh, a, an idea that went through a crowd. Because the, the week that John F. Kennedy was assassinated was on a Friday. And my dad had this interesting idea when he said to the family on Saturday night, let's get up early on, on tomorrow and let's drive to D.C. and let's see that cortege come down Pennsylvania Avenue and take the casket up the steps of the, of the uh, Capitol into the rotunda. And so we got up early and we went. And we were part of thousands and thousands of people lining the streets right there in front of the Capitol when all of a sudden the electric news went through the crowd. Oswald's been shot. <clears throat> Oswald's been shot. And it went through the crowd like a lightning bolt. Same kind of thing happened on Palm Sunday. Thousands were there. All of a sudden, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And the whole multitude, it says, of his disciples had lined the street. <clears throat> and what were they doing? Verse 37 says, They were praising God with a loud voice. The crowd was in one accord. By the way, did you know that the, the model and make of Honda is in the Bible? Did you know that? Many of you do. Some of you don't. Acts chapter 1.14 says, speaking of the disciples, it says, and all these were together in one accord. <clears throat> and here were these thousands of people lining the streets as Jesus went by in one accord. 
It was like a ticker tape parade, and he was gone. Instead of confetti, there was the palm branches, and there were the robes that they threw before him as he passed on by. Let me tell you where to be on Sundays. You need to be in a crowd where they said, Jesus is coming. He's coming to worship. He's coming to the service, and we're going to be with people who love to praise him and love to worship him together, who know how to celebrate the Lord. Now, I know that Old North Church is a singing church. You are way above average, and my heart thrills when you sing. But you know it's okay to be a little bit more like this Palm Sunday crowd, to be a little bit more energetic, to be a little bit more expressive, to be a little bit more into the worship, and to let your heart and your spirit just be totally absorbed in the Lord to be able to clap before him and to be able to lift your hands before him like the palm branches waving as he went by. That blesses the Lord and that in itself draws crowds who want to worship. They want to be where people worship the Lord. So my first exhortation, hang around the multitude that enjoys praising the Lord. The Lord loves to inhabit the praises of his people. We were created to praise him, and when you praise him, he loves it. Have you ever gone up to somebody and given them a big, hearty hug, and this is what they did? You hug them, and they stand there. And you know, when you come to the house of God to a worship service, and the Lord is hugging you with his mercy and his grace and his gospel, and you just stand there. He gives you the hug, but you don't give one in return. we got to be, be people. When we get together, hug the Lord in worship and hang around people who worship the Lord. Exhortation number two. Inform your praises of Jesus with Scripture. Now, there was loud rejoicing going on, praising the Lord. It wasn't a free-for-all, though, because they were all together, as I said, in one accord in a Scripture a scripture, the whole crowd in one scripture. And you need to know that every year when they would go to uh, Jerusalem, as they went up the mount, that is, they ascended into Jerusalem, and as they went up the steps of the temple, and I've been on those very steps where these pilgrims would have gone up along with Jesus. They were chanting what's called the songs of ascent, the songs of going up, Psalm 120 through 134. But on this occasion... On this occasion, they had shifted to a psalm that's before the songs of ascent, before the psalms that they did every year. It was Psalm 118. And Psalm 118 is recorded in verse 38. The multitude was saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. That's what the crowd was chanting. Do you know why they were praising the Lord that way? They knew their Bibles. That was the Old Testament for them. But they knew the Bible, and they were able to go to Psalm 118 when they thought Messiah was really coming, and they began to praise him. We need to let the Scriptures inform our praises and not just our ideas about God. You see, these people who knew their Bibles thought that finally the prophecies were coming to pass. That Jesus, who'd done all these miracles, every time he got out there, he hit a home run. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He fed 5,000. He fed 4,000. On and on and on. They said, this has got to be the one who comes. This is the one that Moses and the prophets spoke about. They got it wrong. 
but they were aware of the scriptures. And the scriptures informed their praises as Jesus went by. They thought he would be the deliverer from Roman tyranny, but they knew enough of the Bible to be able to praise him, and that's exactly what they did. Now, maybe you caught something. Maybe you caught the word change that they made from the original psalm to what they were saying that day. Psalm 118.26 says originally, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Do you know what they were saying? Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They were down the pike scripturally, but they got it a little early, but they knew their scriptures. One of the things I love about Old North Church is that Nathan and Chris, our two worship leaders up here, work hard at getting the scriptures into the song text that we sing. Have you noticed that? They want us to be informing our praises on the scriptures idea of Jesus. And the problem is, in America, there are so many Christians who don't know their Bibles. So many pulpits who don't preach Jesus. So when the people come together, they have these kind of human ideas about Jesus. And then they walk out with warm fuzzies that are wrong. We need to be a congregation who knows the word that when we come together, the scriptures inform our praises and we love to praise the Lord because we know what the Bible says about him and our hearts are filled to overflowing. And so that's exhortation number two. Work hard at knowing your Bible about what it says about Jesus. And when you come into this place of worship, you are going to be overflowing with the scriptures in praise to God. Here's the third exhortation. It's a corollary, to, cor, a corollary to exhortation number one. Stay away from people who put a damper on praising Jesus. Stay away from people who just kind of, you know, they just don't care that much about praising the Lord. Many of them even in the church. Guess who was in the midst of this crowd who was praising the Lord? Verse 39. It was the Pharisees. They couldn't stand the attention Jesus was getting. Not just that day, but for three years. In fact, three years before this time, they were so angry at the Lord, even then, they had decided there was only one course of action, and that was to kill him. And now they had come to the ultimate frenzy. They'd lost control of the crowd, and now they didn't know what to do, so they came up with one final tactic. They thought, if everybody's following him, if we can get him to shut them down, then we have a chance. And so they walk up to Jesus and said, Jesus, rebuke your disciples. These guys were incredible. And so they weren't even successful there. And there are lots of people in churches today who are somewhat like the Pharisees. Don't get carried away with praises. Don't get too overjoyed. Don't go too expressive in a church. Just kind of be quiet and reserved and <clears throat> don't let your heart rejoice before the Lord. They want to keep things under control. <clears throat> but did you know something? In Old Testament worship, let me tell you what it was like. It was active worship. And yes, it was loud worship. And it was physical worship. All the way from kneeling before the Lord to laying prone on the ground before him to standing with hands raised and even to dancing. It was a very animated kind of praising before the Lord. But you know... In America, we try to put a lid on praising the Lord. And we come into the churches and we, we don't want to have too much going on. We just want to kind of be there. And do you know, that is often an evidence of barrenness of spirit. 
I don't think there's a greater illustration of this than in the Old Testament. When the Ark of the Covenant was coming back from the Philistines and being restored to Jerusalem, and 1 Samuel chapter 6, David is leading the parade just like on Palm Sunday. The people were there lining the streets, and they were so excited. The Ark of the Covenant is coming home. And what was David doing? He was leading the procession. And he was singing, and he was dancing before the Lord, and worshiping him, and everybody was so happy. But guess what happened? His wife, Michael, looks out the window and sees the procession coming. And she sees her husband, the king, David, dancing and singing before the Lord. And the text says she despised him, her husband, in her heart. That evaluation of David's worship, that judgmental evaluation to shut down the worshiper of God didn't impress God at all. And you know what God did? God made her womb barren. Do you know why? As a symbol of the barrenness of her own heart in worship before the Lord. And so we've got to be very careful that we don't hang out with people who don't worship the Lord and people who would shut us down and people who would judge people who do. Now, you might think, am I advocating a free-for-all? No, I'm not. 1 Corinthians 14 says when you come to the place of worship, everything should be decently and in order. But I will tell you, when God's people come together, they need to be in one accord, praising the Lord, enjoying Him, celebrating His presence, and not being like the Pharisees who would put a damper on that. Which leads us to exhortation number four. Exhortation number four. Don't make Jesus use plan B. Don't make Jesus use plan B. Look at verse 40. Jesus said to the Pharisees, listen, I tell you, if these, the multitude, were silent, the very stones would cry out. That's plan B. If God's people don't praise him, then something else in creation will praise him and cry out. Now, this word stones, that Jesus said the stones would cry out. The Greek has several definitions of that word stone. One is it could be smaller rocks and boulders that litter the landscape, smaller stones. Or it could be the great big building construction stones that they would use in those ancient buildings like the temple, some of them weighing 20 tons. By the way, that word stone in the Greek does not mean kidney stone. But Jesus was saying either that if the Pharisees and God's people don't cry out, the stones in the temple will cry out in praise. Or if you've ever been to Israel, you know that across the landscape from north to south, east to west, it is just littered with millions of stones. And Jesus was saying, listen, if you, the people of God, don't cry out, this whole land full of rocks will praise my name. Let me just say a word about what crying out means. Crying out, that word means, in verse 40, to call out loudly, to scream. Jesus was saying, if you don't praise me, then something else in creation is going to scream out my praises. There's going to be an expression of worship before me. That's what I created people and creation to do. And I know what some of you might be thinking. That's just not my personality. I used to hear a Scottish preacher in Chicago when I was in college preach. And every once in a while, he'd get up and say something that somebody believed or said that really wasn't really believable. And he'd go, poppycock. 
And when somebody tells me, well, I'm just too reserved to praise the Lord, you know what I would say to that person? Poppycock. Because you know what? These same people, and I don't play the lottery, but some people who are Christians go play the lottery and they win the lottery, they're not reserved then, are they? If they win it, I hope they tithe it, by the way. Or if they're at a ball game, these same people who are reserved at church are out there cheering their team on. It's not an issue of personality. It's an issue of who are you before and are you willing to praise the Lord with all that you are because of his greatness. You know, he said in Psalm 147, not only will the rocks cry out here in the New Testament, but it says, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him in the heights. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind, fulfilling his word, mountains and all the hills, fruit trees, all the cedars, beasts and all the livestock, creeping things and flying birds. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. Praise the Lord. And so... If people don't cry out, creation does. And do you know what has happened? While the American church in worship and praise has gone kind of reserved, God has raised up Christians around the world, in Haiti, in South America, in Africa, in Korea, in in other places, uh, that when they get together, you know they love the Lord. The praises are there. I've been there. I've been on these fields. These people know how to praise the Lord. And guess what? They have nothing. And they're willing to praise the Lord. Exhortation number four is don't make Jesus use plan B because if you won't praise him, he'll raise somebody else, something else up to praise him. I've given you four exhortations today. They come right from this Palm Sunday passage. Number one. Hang around people who praise Jesus. Number two, inform your praises of Jesus with Scripture. Number three, stay away from people who put a damper on praising Jesus. And number four, don't make Jesus use plan B. And I hope that Old North Church will take these exhortations to heart. And today, we're just kind of launch out and see if we caught the message. We're going to see a video right now that's going to show us a little bit of the ethos that was there on Palm Sunday. And then, when that video is done, we're going to stand and sing two songs, and we're going to rock the place like they did that first Palm Sunday.